phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello and welcome back to Federation Radio. It's me, your host Floyd, once again. And I apologize for the last two or three weeks that I think I haven't been here. It might have been two weeks. I think it might have been three. I'm not 100%. I didn't really look at the date, but uh, I've been busy and I've been a little all over the place. And I was going to take a break at the end of season one, but I've just decided, you know what? That's going to be my break. I'm going to come back. We got four episodes left until the end of season one. So today I'm going to be doing this episode, Devil in the Dark, as well as in the next episode, which I'll record straight after this, will be the next one. And then next Wednesday, I'll record the end of Season 1, and we'll continue straight into Season 2 the week after. So, you know, I apologize for that, but we're back. So today is actually a kind of cool episode that I often forget about, called, well, first off, Season 1, Episode 26, The Devil in the Dark which is an episode that actually covers the idea of silicon-based life forms, which is something that if you're at all invested in science or exploration of space and stuff, you've probably heard being thrown around before. Because, as you might know, all life on Earth, you know, and as far as we know, all life in the galaxy, not that we found very much of it yet, but as far as we know, all life on the galaxy probably is similar to Earth, is carbon-based based on carbon molecules, and that's what allows us to exist. And it's how we scan for life when we're looking for aliens, when we're looking at these planets, we're looking for carbon-based life. Because an atmosphere that supports carbon-based living is a colonizable world or a world where potentially there could be aliens somewhat like us living on. That's what we look for in space. However, there are theories that have been thrown around for quite a while about silicon-based life forms that instead of being based on carbon, are based on silicon. Now, I'm not a chemist and I'm not a scientist, so I could not tell you the scientific reason why silicon is the next most likely thing to have life based on it instead of carbon. I couldn't even really tell you why carbon is the main thing, but I know that it is. So in this episode, they actually go into this idea, which is kind of cool. And this episode starts with, we see a mining colony called Janus 6, where there is a Pergium mine. Or Pergium. I don't really know how exactly that's supposed to be said. I don't even know. Actually, give me one second. I'm going to quickly Google that. Um, one second. All right. No. So I just looked it up. Pergium is not a real thing. Like in real life, there is, well, at least as far as we're aware, we have never found anything called Pergium. We've never named anything Pergium. This seems to be a completely fictional thing that they've come up with, which, by the way, in Star Trek, there's quite a few things like that that are completely made up minerals and ideas to specialized futuristic metals and things like that that they use that we don't have. And that's fine. That's a typical sci-fi fiction thing to come up with your own names for things, and that's fine. So on Janus 6, which is a Pergium mining world, they are going through an issue, like at the start of the show, or even before the intro plays, we actually get a scene of someone dying, and before he dies, he's real nervous, and he's telling the others, like, no, I please don't leave me here, what's the point in a guard, we've already lost, and it says, 50 people. So 50 people are dead to something, and they're not sure what it is, they just sort of talk about some kind of creature... They leave the guy there, they go around the corner, and they don't get far, like they're heading back to the base. And then we see him scream, and he turns to shoot at something that we can't see, because the camera is obviously supposed to be the point of view of said creature. It hits him, and then the commander of the base, or the leader, says, nothing's left, he's burnt to a crisp, just like all the others, when he gets to the room, because they don't see what kills him, they just find fragments of his teeth and bone in a mush, 
And then the intro play. So we get through the episode. You know, they say Kirk's on the way. The Enterprise is coming. So the Enterprise comes, obviously, at the end of the intro sequence. The Enterprise is here. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy have gone down, and they're here to investigate. Now, this is an interesting little one because it's a very rich colony. Apparently rich in, like, mineral sense. Like, this is a deep under-rock colony where it's a mining colony, and they're finding all sorts of stuff. He talks about all kinds of minerals that are being mined here. And apparently this place, Kirk says, has the mineral wealth to serve as something like 13 colonies, if only they had more equipment, as they say. So they're struggling for equipment, but it seems like this place, as far as minerals go, super rich, like absolutely worth mining. Now, they start having problems with this creature, they say, for the last couple of weeks, I believe it is. So they've opened up 22 levels underground so far. They've been mining recently, they opened up level 23, they started finding these silicon cubes. Sorry, not cubes, spheres. Silicon spheres. And they don't know what they are. They've scanned them, they can't find much about them. You know, the commander just sort of sees it as a bit of an oddity. He just says, whatever. We, it's an alien world, we found silicon that forms into spheres. We weren't too interested. No one really needs much in the way of silicon. We have loads of it. So he's got one on his desk, just like, interesting little thing. Maybe I'll take it home as a memorial, who knows. But he's more concerned about the people he's lost and the fact that people keep getting attacked by whatever this creature is and they don't seem to be able to find it. Now, one man claims to have seen the creature, but all he can say is that it was a large creature, it moved very fast, and that he shot it with a phaser, and apparently it did nothing. It just kept going. Now, at that point, an alarm goes off and the creature has attacked. It actually attacks the reactor the whole main, like, power reactor to the place, and take something out of it. Uh, I didn't actually take note of what it was, but whatever it is, it's it's something that is really needed to keep the reactor running. Which leaves them with about 10 hours until they run out of air. Because without the reactor, there is no oxygen. If they try and run the oxygen stuff without the reactor, apparently they're going to die of radiation. So, asphyxiation... Or radiation poisoning, which leaves them in a hell of a spot where they need to get the reactor online or Kirk needs to evacuate the colony. Now, the colony is rich. Like I said, it services a lot of people and they don't want to abandon it, so they're going to try and save it. Now, like I said before, we learned that on the 23rd floor is where they found these eggs. Sorry, spoiler, they're eggs. But uh, they found these spheres. Now, at the time, no one knew what they were. Like I said, silicon life is more of a theory than a reality. So even in Star Trek, they don't really, their tricorders and everything aren't really programmed to scan for silicon life. So when they detect it, they don't, well, sorry, they don't detect it. So when they scan the area where it is, they just don't detect life. So they're unable to actually track this creature because no one's thought to look for silicon-based life forms. Except, of course, Spock, who is looking at the sphere and he's fascinated by it, to the point where the commander actually gets a bit annoyed. Like, I didn't bring you here to talk about oddities of silicon and mineral deposits. I brought you here to help me deal with this creature that is killing my people. So they leave it for now, but that's a kind of like little hint, that little conversation with Spock looking at the sphere. Like, if you're really observant, that's a hint about what's going to happen in this episode, which I like. I always like that foreshadowing stuff. Now, the silicon life form is down below. They end up wounding it with apparently... Now, this actually is kind of interesting. So, apparently at this point, because we haven't heard a whole lot about the equipment they use and what it's like. So, we know they use phases, and we know phases... Actually, I don't know if we know phases can be set to stun at this point. I think we've only ever seen phases kill. 
No, no, there definitely is stun. I'm, I'm pretty sure. No? Maybe level 1 stuns. Level 2 does. I don't know. In this episode, they call them level 1 phases. Is apparently what the people on the colony have, which is different to the level 2 phases that everyone on the ship has. So, if I had to assume, I would say level 1 is weaker, not able to put out as much damage, but it's fine for, like, private security forces. It'd kind of be like a revolver or a pistol or something. Something that, like, maybe a private security guard might have, but not necessarily something you would outfit your troops with, is the way I look at it. So they're less powerful. Now, because of what Spock has sort of indicated, he's got a theory when he comes down to the 23rd level. He discovers that these fears are everywhere, and he's looking at them, and once again, he's fascinated by them, and he sort of postulates to Kirk, well, he says, I could be wrong, but I believe there is a possibility of a silicon-based life form here. And he sort of says, I'm going to change my tricorder to go see what I can find. Now, at first, Spock goes down, and, you know, McCoy laughs when he says this, but whatever. You know, he's, like, willing to entertain it. Kirk's willing to entertain it, which I appreciate. Kirk, you know, even if it is stupid or very unlikely, he is willing to entertain possibilities, especially if one of his officers, like Spock, has brought it forward. Even if it's ridiculous, the fact that his officer has put it forward means that he'll sort of take it seriously. Now, at this point, they're not sure. Spock does end up finding the creature on his tricorder, or at least he detects the creature. They go down with a couple guys, security guys, and they're like spread out through the tunnels trying to find this creature on the 23rd floor. Now, when they detect it, they run towards where it is, or where they think it is, and that happens to be the tunnel where one of the guys dies, another security officer, one of Kirk's men. So, we see the creature at... Do we see it at this point? No, we see it a little bit later. It kills the guy and runs off. But it's basically exactly where Spock thought he detected a creature. At this point is where the murder took place. So at this point, he's like, they're more confident right now that it's probably a silicon-based life form and that Spock may have detected it before he killed. So they go in with even more security. Apparently a hundred men come down, which pretty impressive considering I think a few episodes ago I said there was like three to four hundred people on the ship so almost a quarter maybe a third of Kirk's entire crew currently have been armed with phaser twos and sent down to these tunnels like this is a serious operation this is not a little investigation anymore it's pretty impressive now they go looking eventually they find it and they manage to wound it however we do learn phaser twos although they're more powerful than phaser ones and they're able to hurt the creature, it doesn't seem to just kill it. Doesn't outright, outright like kill it or disintegrate it or anything. It just, it wounds it. But it is able to break a piece of it off, which they're able to then investigate and determine that, yes, this is a silicon-based life form, and it seems to excrete, like from its skin, some kind of corrosive, which is what it's been using to dig these new tunnels, and it's what it's been using to kill and melt people down to nothing but teeth, bones, and like a bit of blood. Which makes sense, because, you know, up until now, you're like, these people have been disintegrated, but we don't see any evidence of weapon fire. It managed to burn its way like a circular hole in a door to steal the reactor, so you're like, what the hell's going on? It makes sense. They're silicon creatures. They're quite large. They're not really tall. They more, to me, they look like little blobs, like, on the ground, but they seem to be, I'd say, medium dog height. Like, they're a little bit taller than, like, Kirk and Spock's knees, but they're not quite as tall as a person at all. They're... I would say a bit above the knees, not quite at the hips. It's about as high as they are, but they're very wide. They almost look like giant turtle shells with like weird 
I mean, it looks robbery because obviously 60 special effects, it's like practical effects. It, it At one point, it actually just looks like someone's underneath a carpet where they've stacked on some like paper mache and painted it funny colors. It's, I say that, like, it didn't look terrible, but you can also tell that it's very obvious practical effects. It's 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 not the best, but it does look cool. I, I didn't mind it. I actually thought it was kind of cool. It's for a very alien, and I mean real alien, because normally we deal with, like, Spock is an alien. Well, he's half alien, but not most of the aliens in Star Trek are humanoid, like, human-based looking creatures. Like, you know, most aliens in Star Trek, two legs, two arms, and a head. Sometimes they have funny noses, sometimes they have weird ears, sometimes they have funny colours, but usually pretty human-based. It's kind of a joke, although it is sort of explained in-universe later, although we do see some species that aren't. They're pretty rare. Like, the only ones that really come to my mind is, oh, what's their name? The, like, spider crystal people? I think Thoranon, I keep thinking. No, they're not Thoranon, that's from a different series. Anyway, there's spider people that we'll meet later on that are, like, crystal entity they're almost crystalline spiders and they're probably the least human creatures that we see and we see very little of them like little spoiler but we see very little they're only featured in a couple of episodes most creatures we deal with in star trek are full-on humanoids so this thing being made of silicon like not only is it alien looking it's not even carbon based like this is probably the truest alien alien alien-like alien that we're seeing in all of Star Trek. It's pretty cool that way. It's very creative. I kind of like that. Now, you know, so we confirm the phases heard it, and at some point, we also learn that it's kind of intelligent, because Kirk and Spock go after it, and they end up splitting up when there's a two-tunnel system. Uh, Kirk ends up finding it, because it drops a pillar, which causes a cave-in. Now, this cave-in locks Kirk into this room, he contacts Spock at this point to be like, my cave just, you know, the tunnel I'm in just had a cave in. Spock immediately is like, that's, I find it strange that the tunnel you're in would collapse right now. Then the creature comes through the wall and we get kind of a cool, it looks like it burns a hole in the wall and it comes through it. Very, very cool looking special effects. I actually have to be honest, in the 60s, like, I was joking about the way the silicon thing looks, but when it burned through the wall, I don't know how exactly they did it, but it did look really cool. Like, I, I think that effect it does look a little dated but it's not terrible like quite honestly i if you told me that effect was from the early 2000s i'd probably believe you like it's not that bad it's really cool which impressed me to be honest from the 60s like i've definitely seen movies in the 90s and early 2000s that had worse cgi than that so you know very impressive comes through the wall and we determined that this creature is intelligent because kirk holds up his phaser and the creature backs off. But then he starts to lower the phaser, and it starts to come closer. And at this point, because Kirk and Spock had argued earlier, Spock had argued, let's see if we can capture the creature, because it's a silicon-based life form. This is, you know, it would be a crime against science to kill it. It could be the last of its kind. And Kirk kind of agrees and says, you know, I, I wish we could capture it, but right now it's killed 50 people, it's killed one of mine, and it could kill more. We need to kill it. This colony needs to get its mining operation back on the back online. So at this point, the goal is to kill it. But at this point, Kirk's like aiming his phaser at it and down. And he's realizing this creature isn't stupid. This is not just a monster. This this creature is intelligent. It is reacting to my weapon. It knows when I am in a threatening pose and when I'm not. We also see on the back of it that it has this huge wound from where they cut a bit off before. Now, 
That, I thought, was kind of cool. Now, at this point, Spock is making his way towards Kirk and them, because he's obviously, he's called them and been like, Captain, I've detected a silicon-based life form in your vicinity. Be careful. And he's like, yeah, well, Spock, it's ten feet in front of me. I am looking at it. Please make your way here. Now, Spock gets there, and at this point, Kirk doesn't really know how to communicate with it. He's trying, and it seems clear this creature is intelligent. He tells Spock, don't fire, which is kind of funny, because the whole episode, Spock's been telling him, can we capture it? He keeps saying, no, we have to kill it. And at this point, it's Spock that's come back. He's like, Captain, you are in extreme danger. Let me kill it. And he's like, nope, nope, do not fire. Come over here. He's like waving him across while he's got his phaser aimed at it. And it's it's cool. I like that they made them change positions at this point. That was a nice little... It shows the respect between them, that they take each other's ideas on board. They do respect authority. But at times, you know, sometimes they change their mind. Because they respect each other's opinions and, like, professionalism. I think that's cool. Now, Spock ends up doing a mind meld with it. Now, at first, he does a, like, remote mind meld. Because I think he's afraid to touch it. Because it, like, excretes corrosive. So, fair enough. I probably wouldn't want to touch it, even with a gloved hand as well. But he sort of holds his hand out. And it makes this sound. And he's kind of mind melding with it from a distance. But apparently it's a weaker mind meld. He's not able to fully communicate. But he gets a feeling from it. And the feeling he gets is just agony. He's just yelling in agony. He's like, this creature is in so much absolute pain. Like, the wound that they gave... Sorry. The wound that they gave it earlier from the phaser seems to have hurt it so badly. It's like waves of pain running through its mind. Now, at this point, the creature, though, sort of calms down. It's still in pain and it's moving around, but it stops trying to approach them. And Kirk says, I need you to mind meld with it fully. So he does. Spock leans down and he mind melds with it. Now, at first, it's confusing. It's sort of, he's saying, it seems like random things, you know, Temple of the Ages and the children are lost and the murderers, and he keeps repeating these lines. But what it's trying to say, he finds out this creature is actually called a Horta. It is an intelligent creature, like intelligent enough that they have named their own species, Horta. They live in these tunnels, and we learn that they dig around, and these spheres that we saw, like I mentioned earlier, are actually its eggs, and apparently every end of their life cycle, they all die at once, and then they're all born at once, except one. One, like a mother creature, is basically the keeper of the eggs, and that's the one that's here. And the reason it attacked people was not because it hates people or because we broke into their area or anything, it's because the mining equipment, when it opened up to the 23rd level, actually damaged a shit ton of these spheres. And since then, the miners have been getting them out of the way, thinking they were just spheres of silicon. They've been picking them up and smashing them and blasting them and getting them out of the way so they can keep mining all the minerals. Not realizing they're literally smashing the eggs of this creature, which is why it got aggressive in the first place. Now, they determine that because it's sentient, because it's smart, they're actually able to speak with it. And they work out like, well, the main problem that this colony had before was that it couldn't really suit all of its quotas because it didn't have enough equipment to do all the mining. And here we have a silicon-based life form that it excretes, you know, acids, basically, corrosives, that digs its own tunnel through the stone at will. And it doesn't mind that other people are on the planet. It only got upset once they started harming it. So they come up with this deal where, hey, why don't we work together? You might you open up the tunnels and find the minerals for us. We'll refine them. And together we'll have a harmonious relationship. And that works out pretty well. They also get McCoy down and he works out that apparently the concrete they use, well, it's not concrete, it's sort of concrete. It's some like futuristic version of concrete that's mostly made of silicon, apparently. 
and they used it like McCoy mentioned we used it for building shelters for those people a few planet a few missions ago or something but he calls up the ship at one point and he orders it all down and he's we don't hear what he's ordering but he's like yelling at the person the other end like don't worry about what I need it for just bring it down here damn it and he brings it down and it's brilliant because the doctor finds out it's mostly silicon so he uses it almost like a patch he manages to patch up the back of this creature made of silicon and he's like it should act like a band-aid as the creature slowly heals you know it should be able to remove it it's silicon and it leads corrosive so it be able to take off this patch whenever it wants and until then it's safe which brings it back to life and you know heals it and makes it okay and then yeah like i said they make an agreement which i thought was so cool I kind of wish they would touch on these creatures again, and I hope they will one day, because I really like the idea of this silicon-based life form and the fact that it's intelligent. Like, that's so cool. Now, I mean, that's basically the episode. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a very basic story, really. I mean, it's, it's another, we found an alien, we found a way to work with it. It harmed a few people, but it was a misunderstanding story. There was a few little things that were said here. I mean, other than Pergium, which we do hear about later like Pergium does seem to be some kind of power source i think it's meant to be like uranium or something it's just a more potent sci-fi version of uranium that we find in space that we use for powering things fair enough i guess cool now i could be wrong but when kirk was facing the creature when he had been trapped initially and he was telling spock like yeah it's 10 feet in front of me right before that because kirk was sort of frozen he's holding his phaser at it and he's lowering and upping it and he's a bit worried like you know everyone else has died sometimes before they've had a chance to even fire so he knows he's in extreme danger so he doesn't actually respond initially to the beep beeps of his communicator from spock and spock is captain captain and then he starts going jim jim and he starts getting real freaked out and maybe i'm wrong maybe he said it before but i felt like this might be the first time he calls him jim because that's something that I think McCoy calls Kirk Jim quite often. But I don't think we've heard Spock call him Jim before. He's always very formal with the captain. Captain or Captain Kirk. Or, you know, he just says what he needs. He doesn't often just say Jim. Which I like that they've started that. Because they're sort of trying to show, I think at this point, a bit more of like, yes, yeah, Spock is uptight. And yes, they joke about each other. But he's also Kirk's best friend. Like at this point, he basically is. Which, you know, it was nice. It was nice from Spock's point of view to hear him call him Jim. And I did enjoy it. We got... <laughs> Dr. McCoy is renowned for his I'm a doctor, not a whatever jokes. I've probably talked about this before. But in this one, because Kirk and Spock are looking at the creature and that's when they call Dr. McCoy down once they realize that, you know, it's intelligent and we can talk with it and that it's in pain. He's like, Dr. McCoy, come down here. This is a creature. It's in pain. You're a doctor. Do what you can. Try and help it. He's like, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. He's like, this thing's made of silicon. I wouldn't even know where to start. Turns out he's actually quite a good doctor and he did know what to do. He ended up helping it. But like, I just love the initial reaction of like hands on the hips. Like, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I can't wait till we get to Voyager because I'm telling you, the doctor in Voyager, he makes so many I'm a doctor, not a jokes that it's just, it's amazing. He really, McCoy would have been so happy if he had lived long enough to to see that. Although I say that, maybe McCoy, maybe DeForest Kelly did live long enough to see Voyager. I don't actually know when he died. I know he's dead at this point and he's been dead for a fair while, but I don't actually know when exactly he died. If he lived far enough into the 90s, he may have lived long enough to see some Voyager. I'll have to look into that. But anyway, 
Thanks for coming by. Sorry it's been such a big break. I'm going to get on to the recording the next episode. And then we'll try and I will try and keep this consistent. Yeah, I shouldn't be as busy in the upcoming weeks. I should be in a bit of a better spot. So, like, thanks for coming by. I'll be back. Back to the two episodes a week. Hope you all enjoyed. Bye for now.